Tuesday, July 18th, and welcome to the Damon Bruce Show here on the Plus. It's great to have you back. I want to start just by thanking my sponsors. Get yourself a sandwich at Ike's today. Make sure the next time you're picking up a cheeseburger, you get to Uncle Boy's in the inner Richmond. You'll be happy that you did. And if you're thinking about a little whiskey cocktail a little bit later on this evening, make sure it's blackened whiskey. We will circle back to all of those sponsors at some point today to thank them once again. But I need to thank our one and only guest in today's show. It's not officially a home and home, but Larry Kruger, I put up the Kruger bat signal and he indeed responded. Larry, thank you so much. It's always great to see you. It's been a while. You just got back from a nice vacation. I'm about to go on one. So we'll compare tan lines in a week or two. Okay. Yeah. Peeling. Uh, I, I can tell, I can tell you all you need to know about how to burn and peel. Nice. Very nice. It's it's the two steps of white guy laying in the sun, burning right. and peeling. That's right. Um, the biggest story in sports, and there's a lot going on in sports right now, but as soon as the NFL inserts itself to the conversation, boy, does it know how to take over the room. And I think that the biggest story that seems like everyone is talking about, Larry, is why the running back position in the NFL has been rendered so replaceable or too replaceable to bother paying handsomely. And this all was drawn out in conclusive fashion yesterday when Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard failed to reach long-term deals with the Raiders, Giants, and Cowboys, respectively. Um, Christian McCaffrey came right on out, one of the best-paid running backs in football, saying this is criminal. These are three of the best players in the entire league, regardless of position. So... What I wanted to bring you in today for is to kind of like deconstruct where we are, how we got here, and what the path out of this situation, if there is a path out of this situation, for running backs actually looks like. And let me start with the simplest of questions. In any economic model, you start with the supply and demand. Larry, does that where is that where really this entire conversation begins and ends? supply and demand at the running back position. You've got a huge bucket of talent to scoop from and the most elite level of running back talent isn't that much different than the, you know, the upper middle class of running back talent. How did we get here? Well, I think we got here because, you know, the running back position has been devalued in the eyes of the general managers around the NFL. Um, if you think about it, I mean, the only position group with a franchise tender value lower than running backs is kickers and punters. So I, I think really what it's about, it's about NFL teams don't want to be on the hook for um, running backs on that second deal or any kind of big money guaranteed or any kind of big commitment through a bonus to a running back because the, their, lot, their shelf life is short. And there are a lot of running backs around the game, but um, <clears throat> they've been devalued more for the financial side of things than anything else. Teams are less willing to commit major money to aging running backs when they can replace them through the draft every year. We haven't seen a running back, Damon, signed to a multi-year deal worth $10 million or more since uh, Nick Chubb West signed with the Browns in 2021. So... You know, and, and and it's not like these players aren't good. The Raiders running back Jacobs is a tremendous player. Uh, Josh Jacobs is 
is is one of the best running backs in the game. He led the NFL with 1,600-plus rushing yards and over 2,000 yards from scrimmage last year. Bark, Saquon Barkley was fantastic, ran for over 1,300 yards, finished third in the NFL Comeback Player of the Year voting. Pollard was a pro bowler uh, after taking over for Zeke in Dallas. And that's the so, thing. Zeke became too expensive and too beat up, and Tony Pollard is you know clearly the future, but the Cowboys are saying well, he's more of the present than he is the future. And I think that that's how all running backs sort of need to view their existence. You're going to get hopefully drafted. You will be salary slotted. If you're lucky, you get one year of being tagged, which is going to pay you handsomely. But you're probably not going to get tagged twice. And at that point, you hit the free agent market where it feels like the entire system is sort of working against you and everyone at your position at this time. And on one hand, Larry, you know, it seems nuts because most people's football playing experience never goes beyond high school and running backs are you know, pretty much the most important position on the team in my most high school teams. Um, you know, collegiately, if you're lucky enough to have played there, the running back is obviously a huge part of what goes on in college offenses as well. And all you got to do is play a game of Madden to find out how important a running back still is in professional football. So it's a little hard to understand why this important, critical, touching the ball as many times as you do position has been devalued by football. But it's also easy to understand from a capologist standpoint, which is measuring risk and reward at all times. And there probably is no riskier position to catastrophic injury than the position of running back. And I think that's got to do with the devaluation probably more than anything. Well, they need to change the rules. I mean, you can't have a meaningful conversation about winning a football game without somebody referencing running the ball or stopping the run. So it, it, it absolutely is still, you know, Kyle Shanahan's run pass fusion, his play action game, it's all predicated on a successful rushing attack. So the running backs are important, just nobody wants to invest in them. And since we're in a groupthink type period, there's really nowhere for the Saquon Barkleys, the Josh Jacobs, or the Tony Pollards to go. So it's not like they can just say, hey, uh, you know, Dallas or Vegas, trade me. Because everybody feels the same way about running backs. I think Saquon Barkley probably had the most telling comment when he's like throughout the it is what it is it is uh, in the current rules it is what it is it needs to be a, a new look at the cba and inst- the average salary for an nfl running back right now is 1.81 million the average salary for an nfl kicker is 2.26 million the average salary for a third string quarterback in the nfl guys who basically never play and hold the clipboard and make zero impact on the game unless basically the first two guys are dead is over a million dollars. You're paying your average running back who's basically taking more hits than anybody on your team almost almost the same as a kick as a quarterback who never even suits up. Sean King, Larry, former NFL quarterback, you know, was uh, on a Tampa team that won a Super Bowl, um, is now working at VEASAN. He is a, a host over there. I've been on his show several times. He's a good guy. I like talking to him. Um, 
He said the biggest issue regarding running back compensation is the NFL has started paying the position as much as paying the player. And he says, look, I want everyone to make as much money as possible, but some of these priority position salaries don't match the actual player playing at that priority position. What do you think of that? Yeah, so basically what he's saying is it's just they're they're just looking at it. They're, it's kind of like surfing your kicker in fantasy. Like, hey, we'll just we'll just play it as it comes, and we're not going to spend any real money. We're not going to invest. We're going to keep bringing in new bodies, new faces. Uh, but when it gets time to pay them, we'll let them go somewhere else to get paid. And unfortunately, every team in the league, or most teams in the league, have taken the same stance. So you kind of already described it. You know, you, you pay these guys on the rookie scale. If they're really, really good, you franchise them for a year. And then after that, you let them go somewhere else, and there's nowhere for them to go. My man Larry Kruger joining us here uh, on the Damon Bruce Show. The king of you. You're approaching 20,000 subscribers. The king of YouTube, Larry Kruger, uh, joining us here. Um, so before we bring this conversation back to the San Francisco 49ers in the way that they're approaching it, which is a much different approach than a lot of teams are considering these days with just Christian McCaffrey being on the roster, um, where do you think all of this leads, Larry? We know that football very much is a copycat league. It's cyclical. And eventually someone zigs while everyone else is zagging and the league starts to zig instead of zagging. Are, are we a handful of years away from the running back being better paid, more respected in the cap? Or are we now living in a universe that it's going to be hard for running backs to escape from financially? Well, I don't see. I don't know how they band together. What is every running back going to boycott the NFL? You know, everybody who's deemed a running back is going to boycott the NFL. It's already a pass happy league. Um, you know, they probably find a way to take receivers and just put them in the backfield and throw it to them. So, I mean, is is the style of the game going to change? Probably not. Um, are the running backs going to unite? Probably not. It's going to take some foresight on the people who are sitting at the bargaining table negotiating to basically say, hey, guys, look, you guys all need running backs. The game's predicated on running. And right now the, the cap is, you know, the, the franchise tag doesn't work. It's not working for the running back position. We need to either change the rules, increase the amount. Um, they, they, they're going to have to do something. Uh, in their internal mechanism and how the players and teams interact around the franchise tag and put greater value on the running back position, um, you know, from, you know, without like the macro view of the league and not make it put it on every team. I think that's, that's the only thing I see as possible because I don't see the running backs getting together and actually boycotting. I don't see that happening. Um, and I don't see teams just voluntarily paying it players, who wind up injured. Um, you know, we just saw the Falcons use a first-round pick on Bijan Robinson, but for the most part, first-round picks on running backs are deemed stupid. Um, and I, I, I'll, I, when, when the Falcons took Bijan in the first round, I came out and said it on my show, which was, you know what? Unless I was absolutely right in the middle of my Super Bowl window and I had a full roster, complete roster, except for the running back, there's no way I would ever draft a running back in the first round. If I was in that situation, I might. 
other than that, I would not. So it's the cherry on top of the sundae. That's it. It's never the ice cream, the whipped cream, the hot fudge. It's it's just the cherry on top of the sundae, the way that a lot of, I think, teams are, are looking at it, the way you just described it, Larry, which brings us to the 49ers and the interesting choice that they made. And let's face it, they were able to make this choice due to the you know, one man's problem is another man's opportunity, right? Christian McCaffrey is not a 49er if the ever-present problem of who is the quarterback for the 49ers had been worked out and they're paying a top-flight quarterback, top-flight money, or even into mid-flight quarterback, into mid-flight quarterback money. It's because they are at the, you know, first rung of the quarterback pay ladder that allowed them to add Christian McCaffrey and you wouldn't have to tell a 49er fan how much Christian McCaffrey meant to this team. It was like two different football teams, two different offenses when Christian McCaffrey joined the team. He was the skeleton key that unlocked it all. Christian McCaffrey is one of those last big-time paid running backs out there, a four-year, $64 million contract, which the Carolina Panthers obviously were more than happy to trade to the 49ers for all the draft compensation that they got with Teams hesitant to pay running backs. Why did Kyle Shanahan, not just the coach, but the general manager, Larry, say, I'm willing to take that risk? Does it have to do with the fact that Christian McCaffrey is as much of a hybrid wide receiver running back as you're going to find in football, which allows him to carry a, a larger cap hit because he's more versatile? Well, I mean, they, the, the Niners coveted this player and they're probably kicking themselves that they took Solomon Thomas at the top of the draft instead sure. of Christian McCaffrey uh, a few years ago. And I just think that they felt like he was the right player at the right time. Uh, they're inside their Super Bowl window. You mentioned, you know, they're paying Brock Purdy $840,000. Um, and then the McCaffrey edition proved to be genius because the Niners were averaging about 20 a game points, that is. Without McCaffrey, after McCaffrey came over, they averaged 29 points a game. Um, so, you know, he made a profound impact. And I think he's also the right guy at the right time as far as he can be utilized in a lot of different ways. And he is, in a lot of ways, in their mind, the final piece to the puzzle. I think also Javon Hargrave would not be here if the 49ers we're paying a quarterback $20 million or $30 million or $40 million. Instead, um, the most expensive their room can get at quarterback is if they go with Lance and Darnold as two and three or three and two. Um, then the, those two guys combined will make $14 million on the cap hit, on the cap this year. So you, you, for your entire quarterback room, you've got less than a $15 million cap hit. Um, you know, to put that in perspective, there are quarterbacks making 45. So, you know, the 49ers are taking that $30 million and they're saying, we'll give some of that to McCaffrey. We'll give some of that to Javon Hargrave. And, you know, that's that's why they're, you know, why they so committed to, um, you know, like going with a young quarterback for that because they felt like they had a really good roster. They wanted to retain those guys. And they also felt like they could add a couple key pieces now the question is, can they get it done? Can they win a Super Bowl inside their window before their quarterback becomes prohibitively expensive like quarterbacks do after their rookie contracts expire? As you and I have discussed, Larry, the, the window is two years. 
It's this year and next year for the 49ers. Kyle has got to bag his first Lombardi trophy as head coach in the next two years, or he is back to the drawing board on a full new reconstructing of a roster and trying to win a Super Bowl in what would be the next window, because this window shuts two years from now, not based on talent, but due to economic structure of that quarterback room that you just talked about. Um, Warren Sharp, who is a really smart guy, uh, tweeted out, five of the last six teams that paid a running back all regretted it and moved on. Zeke got 90 million and was cut during the deal. Christian McCaffrey, 64 million, traded during the deal. Cook, 63 million, cut during the deal. Gurley, 58 million, cut during the deal. Bell, 53 million, cut during the deal. And the sixth is probably going to be Alvin Kamara, who uh, has cap hits of 19 million this year and 29 million in 2025 so no excuse me that's 19 and 24 and 29 and 25 so he is probably going to find himself on the chopping block as well where does it end could this possibly end in any way with the league saying look we have it, it's common for guys up and down the roster when they are deemed pro bowl level elite to be cashing paychecks in that $20 million range. Does the NFL owe it to the players to make sure every position can reach that? I mean, we got guards getting paid 20 million in this league, Larry it's happening. Like, so well, it's that and running backs wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, it's about a sense of fairness. I mean, I think as, I mean, who t- what player on the field takes the most physical abuse? Running back. So why should the running back be de- – and, you know, and, and everybody who talks about winning football starts with, well, you got to run the ball. And everybody talks about being good on defense starts with, well, you got to stop the run. So if running the ball is the number one goal of an offense and stopping the run is the number one goal of a defense and running backs take more physical abuse than any other player on the field – why are they so devalued? And the the answer is they're devalued because you're being paid based on what you've, you know, partially based on what you've done, but partially based on what you're going to do. And the, 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 the workload is so great on the running backs' bodies that they're being used and kicked to the curb. And teams like the best teams in football, they don't have a running back. They've got a stable of running backs. I mean, the 49ers have Christian McCaffrey. They have Elijah Mitchell, who's a starting caliber running back. They have Jordan Mason, starting caliber running back. They have Ty Davis Price. He eventually could be, become a, a, a starting caliber running back. And they, and they brought in two undrafted rookie free agents who were both really, really solid in Kalen Laburn and Ronald Awat. And they, they're, they're covered in num- with numbers. And if you look at the best teams in football, they're all in that same mix. They don't have a running back. They have a stable of running backs. And they're, str- and they're trying to spread it out a little bit. But ultimately, it comes. It's gonna, this is not going to get solved until somebody stands up in the CBA negotiations and says, guys, the average running back career is X number of years, and the hits that they take are extraordinary. And they either have to be compensated heavily uh, up front, 
or there has to be some change to the CBA because nobody wants to invest long-term in these players. They want to use them for what they're good for and then throw them aside and go get another one. It's almost like the running back today has become like a printer like a, uh, for a computer. Do you, do you sit there and ever repair your printer? No. Do you do you have the same printer that you had 10 years ago? No. <laughs> you 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 have a cheap printer. It works really well, and then when it doesn't work, you get rid of it cuz it's not worth anything and you go buy another printer. Yeah. I mean, it's like television. When's the last time you brought a TV to a TV repair shop, right? You just right. you go get a new one cuz they're new reasonably one. priced and they're everywhere. 4K TVs are 250 bucks. Um, I want to credit everyone who comes up with something clever. Uh, a, a total Twitter rando named Josh Dino. He doesn't cover the NFL. He's just a fan, but his comment was attached to uh, some other stuff that I was reading. And, you know, he said, how hard is it to win without a good running back? Like, I guess it could be hard, but it's still not worth investing heavily in the position and just go back through your recent Super Bowl champions for all the receipts and evidence that you need. 2022 Chiefs were led out of the backfield by a seventh-round rookie. The 2020, uh, the 2021 Rams totaled 43 rushing yards between four low-investment running backs. The 20 Bucks were led by a free agent running back. The 19 Chiefs were led by an undrafted running back. The 2018 Patriots, Sony Michelle, the guy was basically terrible, but he played well enough to where he fit the the. The Patriots, the 2017 Eagles, LeGarrette Blount on a free agent deal. The 16 Patriots, it was LeGarrette Blount on a free agent deal. The 15 Broncos were an undrafted C.J. Anderson. Like, it's really nice to have a good running back, and maybe you need one to get you through the regular season, but you get to that Super Bowl, you just need one guy to have a decent day of running behind a well-paid offensive line, and that might be enough for you. So it's... I wouldn't want to be an agent of a running back right now. No. And I certainly wouldn't want to be the father of a running back either, Larry. And that's where I kind of want to end this. Have we reached a point where every high school career has an element of, well, I might be a pro baked into every kid who could be dubbed an elite caliber prospect. Are we about to see the running back room occupied by the least talented athletes on a football team. Well, because, if, I mean, I, because I, of the I, money I, aspects, but I, it's still the starring position. You know, it's still the, the running back star is, you know, the, right. the greatest like, athlete in high school plays running back. Right. You know, I mean, um, and if not, you know, it, it, I'll say this, you know, mama, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs, you know, um, you know, I, when my kid played, um, I didn't like it when he was when he played running back because the running back is getting crushed. You're exposed on every play and on the plays where you say, "Well, you weren't you weren't, you know you weren't handed the ball." You're asked to pick up blitzes, and those hits can be as brutal as any tackle that you take. The running backs are concussed at the at, at the highest rate. I really believe that the running backs, you know, they have to be compensated. They have to be compensated more, you know, since their duration of their careers are shorter, they have to be compensated greater in, you know, initially. Um, or maybe it's one of those things where if you produce, you know, there's bonuses for running backs that don't, that other positions don't get. Like you get what you're paid, but if you go for, 
you know, you get what you're negotiated out, but let's say you go for 1,500 yards, you're getting an extra $2 million. You go for 1,800 yards, you're getting an extra $3 million. Because there's got to be some mechanism within the sport that accounts for your body piling up mileage that is real and is going to limit you your ability to make money in the future. Other positions have made that argument conclusively. Like the reason why, you know, edge rushers are being paid through the nose. Well, not only is it their job to get the quarterback, but they take an ungodly amount of physical abuse. And that has been baked into their salaries where it's not been baked into a running back salaries. And we'll, we'll end with this. Steve Weish, who does a great job for NFL Network, said, you know, what's whack about running backs not getting paid? The physical abuse that they take as pass protectors is actually used against them come contract time. Running backs run, catch, and are asked to be told to help block dudes like Nick Bosa and Aaron Donald. And instead of being rewarded, they get treated as damaged goods. I'll go even further than that. Name the last big-time old running back. They don't. They they don't make it to. They don't make it to thirty plus in the league. There aren't old. There's only one name that comes to mind: Jerome Bettis. Okay, like that. But that's it. That was years ago. Yeah, and that was a long time ago. That was two generations and evolutionary steps in the league ago. Yeah. What I would love to see is something that reflects monetarily the mileage on their bodies. Because that's in, you know, like, I think I've read that NBA teams sometimes practice with these sensors and they can tell, you know, how much energies a guy's got left or, you know, how much energy he's expended. Well, the stats and the touches tell us what kind of workload a a typical running back faces. And if you want there, you should not be able to use a guy's body and pay him very little and then kick him to the curb for for some other young player that you're going to use as well. There's got to be a mechanism in the CBA negotiated that reflects the mileage that their bodies take. Some equation with success, obviously, it can't just be carries. It has to be success, yards per carry, whatever, um, touches. But there has to be something where if you are a seventh-round pick, Isaiah Pacheco, and you become the chief starting running back, and they ride you all the way to the Super Bowl, that you get you get a, a, an additional salary based on your usage. If your usage, you know, you know, uh, goes beyond a certain point, there has to be something that that pays running backs in the present, instead of just having them paid like based on the past and a projection into the future. Right. When your salary is tied to, well, you'll you'll make an awful lot of money in your next contract, but your position is designed to almost prevent you from making that next contract. There's something that's got to give in there for there to be harmony in the union, in locker rooms, players amongst themselves. Something here, it, it feels like there's a little bit of a boiling point going on that is bigger than just, ah, oh, these are fans talking about cap numbers that they really don't understand. This feels a little bit more like um, football psychology is rearing its head into this conversation. And I don't think 
anyone on any network, on any channel, on any station is going to have a more comprehensive discussion about it than what you and I just had. Larry, one last thought on that. Debo Samuel Damon, I think is a great example. He's a receiver who got used as a running back. And I'm pretty sure that when he talked to the 49ers about their, the new deal, his agent expressed that they didn't want to see Debo use too much between the tackles as a pure running back because it devalues his money-making ability as a player, whether he's a f- receiver or a running back. And I, we, don't have any, we don't have any concrete sources on that, but the Niners have used him less between the tackles than they had uh, prior to his extension. Indeed. That's a great point. Larry, you're the man. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the Plus. It's always good to have you on. I know we need to uh, tap into more home and homes. Yeah, I'm let's about do it. to go on vacation. You just got back. And when we come back and really start gathering ourselves to get ready for football season in the month of August, we will have it all hammered out and get everyone on the schedule. And uh, we'll be serving it up better than anyone else. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Anytime, man. Good to see you. There he is. Lawrence Kruger. Here on the Damon Bruce show, guys outstanding at what he does. Um, You know, Albert Breer brought up something that I thought was very interesting. Just looking at the guys making $20 million a year in, in football right now, there are 56 players being compensated better than 20 million a year right now. 17 of them are wide or are, are quarterbacks. 13 of them are wide receivers, nine interior defensive linemen, seven edge guys. And Nick Bosa is about to be the eighth, uh, five offensive tackles, two cornerbacks, two guards, and one inside linebacker. So the cornerbacks, the guards, and the inside linebackers are approaching the living in a $20 million reality. And it just seems impossible for a running back to think, yeah, some year I could position myself to be a $20 million a year player, which is going to lead to fewer and fewer elite athletes choosing to even want to be running backs down the road. So, you know, where does all this go? We don't know, but where it is right now is obviously upset the apple cart of running backs throughout the entire sport of football and you really can't blame them for feeling like they're they're getting shafted uh i'm so excited for football to come on back i really am i'm getting ready for it i know you are too i i got a couple of other things that i got to share with you here today uh the 49ers defense by the way is getting six to one odds to be the stingiest defense in all football this season in las vegas least points scored against In the regular season, the 49ers defense is on the top of the list in Las Vegas, getting six to one odds saying that defense is going to give up the least amount of points followed by the Baltimore Ravens who are at nine to one and then four teams going off at 12 to one, the bills, the jets, the Eagles and the Steelers Um, can't help but notice that it is Rams or excuse me, it's 49ers and Eagles, and we think that those are going to be the two best teams in the NFC, are the only two NFC teams in there with the Ravens, Bills, Jets, and Steelers all in the mix as well. So defense still matters. It's why those guys get paid. It's why Nick Bosa is going to get paid handsomely coming up shortly. Uh, Probably what? By the time I'm back from vacation or if not on vacation, So 
that's where you're going to see Nick Bosa really, really cash in. Uh, if you're a 49er fan, I got a great story for you today about Jerry Rice that I read. And maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't. I got to share it. The story was by Jackson Thompson, who writes for The Insider. And he said, you know, legendary 49ers wide receiver Jerry Rice says, and and we all know Jerry you know, the, the the choice between Jerry to print the truth or go with the legend, Jerry's going to go with the legend. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. But there is probably a, a small element of truth to this where I'm sure they were sleepless nights. I don't know if they were full. I'm staying awake on purpose. But anyways, Jerry Rice said that he never slept the night before a Super Bowl and he never ate anything the day of the game. His goal, he said, was to get as low as weight as possible. Ideally, he wanted to be 189 on game day to be lighter and feel lighter on the field. And he stayed awake with a late night into the wee hours workout and then would just spend all those you know, single-digit morning hours, those one, two, three, four, five, six o'clock, seven a.m. hours, just going over reps, simulating plays, and envisioning it before it all happened. Now, believe whatever percentage of that you want. I'm guessing Jerry might have shut his eyes for an hour or so, you know, eventually just the human nature of trying to stay awake all night kicks in and you doze off a little bit. So I'm sure he dozed off a little bit, but boy, he never dozed off in a Super Bowl. Whatever Jerry Rice did to get ready to play in a Super Bowl, holy mackerel. I mean, it really worked. It really worked. His Super Bowl results with the 49ers Three games, 527 yards, seven touchdowns, three rings, and one MVP. In the Super Bowl that he lost with the Raiders to Gruden's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he had five catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown in that game as well. I mean, he really is among the bigger, not just freaks of nature, but freaks of discipline, self-discipline that the game has ever seen. And and maybe my favorite stat that I saw put up about Jerry Rice just to explain how good he was late in his career. You talk about who is the last guy to be maybe as good in his final year as he might have been during his peak years. And I know it didn't exactly work out that with the Seahawks and Jerry, but here's what's incredible. When Calvin Johnson, one of the best wide receivers of our lifetimes, when Calvin Johnson retired at the age of 30, he had 731 receptions, 11,000 yards and change, and 83 touchdowns. That's when he retired at the age of 30. Jerry Rice's stats after the age of 30? 939 receptions, 12,000 yards, 94 touchdowns. In other words, Jerry Rice was better later in his the last half of his career than Calvin Johnson was in the entirety of his Hall of Fame career. That's who Jerry was. The argument that he is the greatest pound-for-pound -pound football player 
is still an easy one to make. It truly is. Little wrapping up with some Tuesday baseball. Because there's some interesting things happening in Cincinnati. Namely, the rain blowing in last night and blowing that game into this afternoon. Giants are going to resume a suspended game at 2.40 p.m. Pacific time uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. Bottom of the eighth inning, that game is tied at two. Slater and Flores had driven in the Giants two runs with solo shots in that game. And what's disappointing about the rain coming in and suspending that game is Logan Webb was out there just cruising again. We had just seen him complete a, a what, a complete game shutout in his last start before the All-Star break. He was working on seven innings, four hits, seven strikeouts, and no walks. He probably would have been going into that eighth inning, and who knows, the ninth and a you could give up a, a solo shot and lose in a bandbox ballpark. That's probably going to Camillo. But, I mean, Logan Webb was pitching great, and unfortunately the rain came away and said, you're going to get no decision because you're obviously not going to be pitching when this game picks back up in the bottom of the eighth inning. On Tuesday, which is this afternoon, the game that is normally scheduled, game two of this series, will begin at 4.10 this afternoon. It's Anthony DeSclafani against Luke Weaver in Cincinnati. So not quite a doubleheader, but it's let's finish this one before we start this one. So a two-game swing for the Giants will be put into the books when it's all said and done. So hopefully it's a good 24 hours for the Giants in Cincinnati. Uh, later tonight, the Red Sox are going to try to run the A's losing streak to, what, nine in a row now? The A's were shut out 7 nothing by Boston last night. What an embarrassing evening of baseball it was at the Coliseum. The A's managed one hit and struck out 18 times as a ball club. Ugh. Meanwhile, Otani Tuesday is going to be served to you a little bit later on. I know I began the day with an Otani video. He became the major league home run leader once again last night. Well, he was that going into last night, but he punctuated it with his 35th home run. And by the way, a bat flip from the normally stoic Shohei Otani meant he felt that one against the Yankees. He hit his 34th home run of the season. Uh, the third most by an Angels player before August. He only trails himself um, in 2021 and Mike Trout in 2019 for most home runs before the month of August. Like The guy is just absolutely insane and again the Giants if they got to make a trade for Shohei Otani obviously it would hurt I'm not worried about the pain as much as I would be worried about getting Otani in here to see what he could do to this team's prospects you could win a World Series if you're the San Francisco Giants the Shohei Otani on your team imagine adding to your team in one move a Cy Young candidate and the major league home run leader, like all in one fell swoop. It's pretty unbelievable. Pretty unbelievable. So look, we got ourselves 
Uh, lots more coming up this week. Thanks so much to Larry Kruger for joining us. I want to quickly slip into Club Plus for a little while, but I'll tell you, Jack is home from school today. So I'm going to go upstairs and help with the sick boy. This is going to be a short hop into Club Plus. Thanks to everyone who listened on the podcast. Appreciate it as always. You tuning into the Damon Bruce Show, no matter how you do it, no matter where you find it, whether it be on YouTube, on Twitch, whether you're listening on the podcast, and I couldn't give a rip where you download that bad boy from, just that you do download it each and every day. Thank you so very much. Uh, thanks for stopping on by. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.